Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, often people carry the memory of a beloved pet with them, but one listener suspects his beloved Labrador may still be by his side. Could the close proximity of a family to their deceased loved ones be the reason for strange occurrences in their home? Things get very confusing when a twin sees a doppelganger of her twin sister. And is it possible that the energy of a co-ed dorm is responsible for the increase of hauntings on campus? Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I am cookied out. You're cookied out? I'm cookied out. Never. Really? No. You can just keep going? Yes. I'm enjoying this large box of delicious cookies that are sitting next to me. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those little chocolate ones with the peppermint frosting that taste like an Andy's mint when you eat them? Yeah, those are good. Those are amazing. I, I was more of a... F- I, I like the candies more than the cookies, honestly. Like like the the, the, uh, the white chocolate and the, the pretzel, that was tasty. Yeah, that was good. There just wasn't enough of it. I needed like a dozen of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a good thing there was like four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, here we are, almost uh, almost Christmas, and uh, still doing ghost stories, so that's good. We will forever. Yes, we will. I'm, I'm saying, I know there's a lot of folks that are excited here, not necessarily U.S. that does ghost stories, but uh, ghost stories are, are kind of a thing that we've learned over in the U.K. around yes, the holidays. Yes, very much so. So uh, we got you covered. In fact, uh, Jenny is working very hard on our Christmas Episode. That's right. Correct. And we yes. have some some festive. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to tease about that episode in the coming days yet, or are we just going to leave it a complete surprise? Let's just leave it. I've teased in the past. Okay. But if they don't know now, it's going to be a surprise. Okay. So we'll have some fun holiday esque stories for you. And we are releasing a show on Christmas Day. Yes. So if you'd like to escape your family, and Christmas Eve as well. Yes. So if you need to escape your family, just get away for a little bit. Go out to the back, to the shed. Wrap yourself in a blanket, an afghan or two, and listen to ghost stories. You can do it. Do people still call those blankets afghans? I don't know. I just remember like I had an aunt who would always call it, where's the afghan? And I didn't know what she was talking about. My mom always called it that too. So I knew what you were talking about. I just haven't heard that terminology in so long. I think like a child now would be very confused by it because they may not have heard it being used in any other way uh, other than referring to like the afghan people. Yeah. You know, they're like, what? Is someone hiding an Afghan person in the closet? Are we, you know, you know, that could be really, really confusing to a small child. Especially around Christmas. Exactly. Like, where did they, where, where did they come from? Like, I, I would be very confused if I was a child. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in to hear uh, at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can always write into the website at realghoststoriesonline.com to share your real ghost story with us. So we kick off the show tonight with a letter from Travis. Travis writes in, I once had a girlfriend who claimed to be a sensitive and a channeler. We weren't together long for reasons beyond the scope of this show, but during that time, she told me something that rather freaked me out. I'm always skeptical unless I have a logical or reasonable proof that works for me, but the following, the following experience freaked me out enough that I took her a bit more seriously after that. 
A few weeks after we met, as we were sitting together, she told me out of the blue that there's a black dog that follows me around. I've never told her about Blackie, a dog I had when I was a child whose death utterly devastated me for years previously. He was a black lab and my best friend for many years and always followed me around like a shadow when he was alive. He died while I was away and wasn't told until I got back. And the guilt that I wasn't there to comfort him or say goodbye ate away, to, ate away at me for a very long time. I've never mentioned him to her, at least not that I can remember, so I don't know how she'd have known about him. Her description of what he looked like matched how he appeared in life. That we did look like the typical black lab, and they are fairly common. I wish I'd have thought to ask more questions, but I was rather freaked out at the time. A few years later, when I was in a better mental position and wounds of grief had dulled, I told him in my mind that if he really is following me, I don't mind if he goes on to wherever things go after they die. He's welcome to follow me forever if he wants, but I don't want to hold him back just because of my selfish grief or guilt. I felt foolish thinking in my head to something that may or may not be there, but I wanted him to know if he was really present. I haven't ever had any tangible experiences to prove he's there. Nothing like some people say they've had after their beloved pets die. I now have two other dogs, both of whom adore me and to whom I am extremely attached. One of them, a plot hound, is also black. He's particularly attached to me and I am his favorite person. Being a total pushover and a food pet slave does help. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to visit. I hope he does at least once. Story number two. I went through a very dark period during my late teens and early 20s where things got to the point, despite my skepticism, I became desperate enough to call on forces I didn't really believe in. I attempted to make, as some might call it, a pact with the devil. Whether or not the intense darkness I experienced in my life over the next few years was a consequence or not, I don't know. But there were years of hell and among the worst in my life. Things never got better, they only got worse. Mentally and emotionally, I mean. I took years and devoted yoga practice to get to the point where I could have eat where I could even see a tiny bit of light in my life. That's another non-ghost story I'd love to tell you sometime. And the most powerful experience of any kind that I've ever had. During my transition out of the darkness, I encountered a person at a meeting who knew things about my dark past that she shouldn't have and couldn't have known. She came up to me out of the blue, this woman I never met or knew, and said that she knew I had a dark past and that she got chills when she heard my voice. I asked how she knew and she said that she could see my aura and that it was dark. She also said dark things were attracted to me and feeding off all of the negativity I was living both on and in, something I wasn't surprised to hear. She then asked me about it, and for some reason I told her briefly about my life having gone to hell in every way a few years previously and my attempted bargain to escape the situation. She asked me to clarify, and I basically stated that I said they could have me if they'd just get me out of the situation. I felt that any soul I might have was too badly damaged and corrupted and worthless to be worth keeping anyway. With surprising forcefulness in her voice, she asked me if I made a contract mentally or in blood. I was already pretty freaked out by this point, but that question brought me chills and left my mouth hanging in speechless uncertainty. Was it mental or in blood? The question came forcefully again, and I got the distinct sense that she wanted to shake me by the shoulders and yell the question, but was holding back. I stated that I was purely, it was purely mental and done out of utter desperation and hopelessness. She seemed relieved and stated that what I was doing in terms of yoga and meditation was helpful, but that I had a long way to go and should keep focusing on meditating in a positive direction. That is the advice I followed. While not perfect, my life has since gotten much better, and I am far more a positive person than I've ever been. I never met someone like her who claims to see auras and entities around people and would honestly like to believe people like her are just crazy and hallucinating. But how did she know things about me that I've never told anyone? How did she know I have a dark past? I still wonder and get the creeps, chills, and shakes just thinking about that experience. And finally, this is my last story. 
Well, the last story is a little weird. It's a little freaky one that I don't uh, know whether to call a ghost story or even paranormal. When I was 11, I was lying in bed one night when I heard a quiet, tiny clicking sound on the wall behind my bed. I thought it was a bug climbing on my wall, but there was nothing there. Banging on the wall would silence the sound for a few minutes, but then it would start its quick rhythmic clicking again. Up and down the wall, it would click slowly and uh, in extraordinarily terrorizing me. I can't make the sound even if I try, nor can I describe it. It sounded like a bug walking, but different in some way, and I can't quite describe. Being that bugs are one of the few things of which I'm absolutely phobic, I got my parents to try a few times to see if they could find the bug and kill it, but nothing was ever found. I it kept clicking on and off for the next few nights, up and down the wall behind my bed, and I hated this tiny clicking that I couldn't stop. Here's where things get weird. A few nights after the clicking started, a series of highly negative and sometimes dangerous events happened in quick succession. Every night before one of the negative events, I'd hear the constant clicking, clicking that just went on and on. First, there was a very bad car accident on an icy road. One from which uh, the firemen couldn't believe any of us escaped. The car was folded like an accordion, and I was in the back seat. Then there was the fire, started by a candle that somehow relit itself after having been put out after a party. This does happen occasionally, so it wasn't paranormal. It caught the blanket. It was uh, on on fire, which caught the shelf, which caught the wall. And this was... A little odd, mobile, old mobile home, by the way, which tend to go up in flames in no time when they do catch fire. The scariest thing of all, though, was the fact that I slept through the whole thing, even the smoke alarm. Then there were the fights, the worst my parents ever had. Their relationship had always been rocky, but these drunken fights with their loud and violent swearing and screaming and smashing of flesh and furniture never seemed to end and left me a shuddering, traumatized wreck. And every time, before something very nasty would occur, I'd hear that horrible, incessant clicking noise the night before. I could do nothing but cry into my pillow, terrified yet helpless, and wondering what would happen next. My parents never did believe me or find the bug and thought it must be my always active imagination or my hearing, which was always been excellent due to the fact that I've been blind since birth. Eventually, after two or three months, the noise ceased to occur. It happened right around the same time as the event stopped happening as well. I haven't heard it since, though I have heard similar sounds from other things. Nothing has ever yet managed to match that tiny, quiet, ominous clicking noise, though. I'll probably never know if that clicker bug or whatever the heck it was actually had anything to do with all the negativity in the family at that time, but it is one of the weirdest and most perplexing experiences I've ever had or even heard of. Okay, of the three stories that he submitted, I'm going to address the last one. Okay. Um, I think it may not have been a literal bug, but something dark that knew what his greatest fear was, which would be a bug, something that would terrify somebody, but being that he was blind would probably terrify you that much more. Sure. And kind of preying on that phobia there and maybe also being the reason some of these negative events happened in succession. That makes sense. That's my take on it. So, have you ever had an unexplained sound coming out of your walls? Yes, I have. I mean, other than the kitchen where we had clicking in there and we, we kind of determined it was probably a mouse? Yes. As a child. Okay. Growing up in the house out on the lake, I had what sounded like a mouse in my wall. And when I was laying in bed, my wall to my right, half of it was the front entryway and half of it was the side of the house. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the part where the side of the house exterior would have been, it sounded like a mouse had gotten in the wall, which this was in the cold weather, so that makes sense. And I could hear it. I could hear it scurrying around in the wall, scratching. It bothered me. I told my parents about it. It didn't bother me until it sounded like the little thing had figured out a way into my room and was walking on my keyboard to my computer, an old 90s keyboard where it's clickety, clickety, clickety. 
And I was too afraid to turn the light on. And of course, my dad, I told him the next day, he's like, why didn't you turn the light on? Because I was afraid of seeing what was going to be on my keyboard. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I managed to go back to sleep, but I did. Was it evil? Was it just a mouse? I think it was just a mouse. Okay. It didn't last very long. But I was terrified when I could hear it in my room. Yeah, it's kind of gross. You don't know where it's going to be. You're going to walk out, step on it. It's yeah. going to jump you or something. Yeah. I, uh, I had one occurrence when I was a kid. And it was in my bedroom at my parents' house. And when I was reading that story, it brought back some of the memories of that. And I was just thinking of that and then the logistics of what I'd always kind of written it off as. And the logistics that I had written it off as don't make any sense now that I look at it. Okay. Correctly. Um, I was, I don't know, probably six or seven years old at the time. And I was in my bedroom. My bed, the, the back was, it was pretty much in the middle of the room, you know, bed frame, the headboard against the wall. And the wall that it was against was an exterior wall. Um... But below that exterior wall, uh, it was a second floor, and then down and over there's a garage. So technically, my bedroom actually just kind of backed up to an exterior wall, but below it was another floor that was the, the first floor garage. Uh, anyway, I heard this knocking that was very distinct. It was, and I don't know how many times it knocked, I wasn't counting. Because um, I know the next question is that, you know, was it three times or whatever? But it was very, you know... And it sounded directly above my head. I mean, it wasn't like someone was knocking on my room. Because you knock on my room door, it was one of those hollow 1980s doors that are just kind of shittily made. And you can tell what that sounds like. It's kind of a hollow knocking. This was clearly knocking on the drywall, is what it sounded like, right above my bed. And it just kept going in, like, successive order. It knocked, stopped. And I'm like freaked out, hide under my pillow, or hide under the blankets, and then it did it again. And eventually I did fall asleep, and I think it just stopped. But it only happened for one night, never happened again, nothing paranormal. I didn't, like, get out of bed or respond to it or ask or knock back or anything like that. Um, My logical side said... Well, there's trees out there. Maybe it was just a tree blowing and knocking against the house. That would be impossible. There's not a tree branch that reaches that far over. I always, because my mind's eye, I was picturing the room actually as all the way on top of the garage where it is not. If it was over there, yes, there's trees there. It's not there. I don't know what the hell it was. And you didn't go look out the window to see if the Salem's Lot people are floating there, tapping on your window? Exactly. <laughs> I don't think I even knew what Salem's Lot was at the time. But, um, it did freak the hell out of me. I don't know. I don't know. That was one of the other weird, I guess, somewhat unexplained experiences I've had in my life. It really goes absolutely nowhere other than there's some knocking. I mean, that's a story that wouldn't ever otherwise make our show unless it was coming from me. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, it was... I don't know. Yeah. I don't like unexplained noises in walls. It's never a good thing. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh, anyhow. Uh, 855-853-4802. Especially voices in walls. That's one you don't ever really want to have. You don't want to have the voices coming out of the walls. I don't ever have those. You never have those? No. Every once in a while, when I'm in the bathroom, and I'm kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Bonnie writes in, until 10 years ago, my parents lived... Out in the country, about a half. I will say this though about our bathroom. Seriously, okay. in the master bathroom, the the toilet has its own little stall. Essentially, it's you know water closet. Yeah, is that what it's technically called? I think so. Okay. Yeah. That room, for whatever reason, picks up every noise in the house. I don't know if it's because it's so small and just the vibrations of it that it just kind of. But you can hear like. Anything and everything in the house in that room when the door is shut and it's quiet. I got news for you, Tony. What? That sound goes both ways. <laughs> well, I knew that. I mean, that's why I try and, you know, make noises that are, you know, melodic. That's special. Anyway. <laughs> I try and fart Christmas carols. <laughs> Last Christmas. Okay. Bonnie writes in, until 10 years ago, my parents lived out in the country about a half mile from a cemetery where most of our relatives were buried. My father's cousin Merle died suddenly right after he turned 50. 
Uh, they were very close, and the death was hard on Dad occasionally. He would even stop at the cemetery to visit Merle. About a month after Merle passed, things started happening at my parents' house, usually when my mom was home alone. She'd find the locked sliding door standing open. Lights around the house would flicker. One morning, after she made the bed, Mom saw an indention on the covers as if someone heavy had been sitting on the edge of the bed. One day, she called me very distressed. The back door had popped open. She said it didn't make any sense because when she would go to the door, the deadbolt was still in the out position so that you couldn't shut the door until you turned the deadbolt. She told me she was sure it was Merle coming to visit Dad. It wasn't that I didn't believe her. I truly did. But until you see something for yourself, it doesn't really seem real. And so one day when I was at their house, I was using their bathroom and heard the back door right outside the bathroom open. I looked out and sure enough, the door was standing wide open. When I went to shut it, the deadbolt banged against the doorframe. You could not shut the door. I pushed against the bolt and it didn't move. There was no way this uh, there was no way for that bolt to come out of the housing without it being turned. I ran out to the living room to tell mom what had happened and she said, "Well, he always loved you. Looks like Merle wanted to say hello to you." Things went on and one night mom was particularly upset. The lights had been flickering and dad had spent most of the day rewiring the lights on one wall. Sure, that was it. It was just an electrical problem. When it kept happening, my dad, in frustration, yelled, Damn it, Merle! If you want to visit, that's fine, but stop screwing with the lights. Mom said they went to the living room to find the sliding door open and nothing ever happened again. Until a year later. My dad had a sudden, fatal heart attack. The night after he died, I stayed at their house in the guest room. Mom said she woke up in the middle of the night and found the sliding door open again. She's sure that it was Merle coming one last time to get Dad. Nothing happened after that, and shortly after, she sold the property and moved to town. I miss my dad, but it comforts me to think that maybe Merle did come for him. I think that's a comforting thought, and it's probably realistic. Maybe Merle knew that Dad was going to die. And he wanted to be there to help him get to where he needed to be. Yeah, didn't we have a story similar to that the other day where we were talking about that? Where we're wondering just how much our folks on the other side we did aware of our future. Yeah, it was about a uh, ghost of a little boy who had drowned. And he was still, the ghost of the little boy was still hanging out with his friend who mm-hmm. had long grown up and was now you know, 50, 60 years old and was kind of waiting around for this friend to die, which he did Mm -hmm. in the, you know, relatively short term after seeing this little boy ghost. Because the man actually knew who the the boy was. And so we were kind of wondering then, okay, how much can they see into the future and do they know that these things are coming? Mm -hmm. That kind of plays into that again. It does. Very interesting story. Thanks for writing in and sharing that with us. If you want more ghost stories, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get bonus episodes sent to you every single week. Get access to our complete archive of past EPP episodes and video. This next week, it will be 18 episodes that you get in that email. It's only 5 bucks a month, or you can sign up for the full year at 60 bucks. Completely up to you, whatever you like. It's uh, right through PayPal. Simple, quick, easy. You keep our show alive, and you get a bunch of uh, nice little extras there. Uh, as well. Numbers 855-853-4802. Let's go to a caller. Hello. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. Um, I just learned something tonight. Um, I guess it's been out there for a while, but uh, my friend and I, I just left her house and we were talking about Google Map things about, we saw this article on Facebook about like the funny Google Map things and she told me about, um, it's called like the Tiki Troll and Nice or Nan- no, it's Nancy France. Sorry, and Nancy France. And I guess there's this thing on Google Maps, and it's a certain location. If you Google it, you'll find it because she Googled it and we found it like almost instantly. It's called the Tiki Troll of Nancy France, and it is a image of this like alien-looking creature. He kind of looks like a surfer dude a little bit, like a tiki guy. Um, it's like 
uh, tan skin that has like straw hair and like bright blue eyes and it has like an alien body. Um, and Google actually blurted out this image from maps because it got so much uh, buzz from it. Um, but I was reading some articles with my friend and her and I were reading them and it said that it had something to do with this kind of spirit. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's something like ancient. And so I thought I might tell you guys about that. You can do your own research and see what you think about it. But it's pretty freaky looking. So I wouldn't recommend looking at it before bed because it's really freaky looking. Um, it doesn't look malicious or anything. It's just creepy as hell. But thought I'd share that with you guys. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for calling in and uh, sharing uh, that interesting find there out on Google Maps. Okay, what'd you find out about it? Okay, so I did it. I Googled uh, the... Tiki Troll of Nancy France. Okay. And it is a creepy looking thing. Now, you can try and look it up. I think it's on Google Earth, but they have it fuzzied out because apparently there was so much attention drawn to the street view on this. Mm-hmm. And so if you just Google it, Google it, somebody's taken like a screenshot and they show you <laughs> what it looks like. It Okay, so to me, it looks like, for anybody who remembers the old Twilight Zone movie from the early 80s, maybe late 70s, there's a part where John Lithgow's on a plane freaking out because there's this creature on the wing of the airplane, and he's the only one that can see it. It looks just like that creature. It is so creepy. Okay, I'm going to guess here this is nothing more than a Halloween prop that somebody had put up outside on a balcony. That's my guess. It sure got a lot of attention, though. It sure as hell did. I mean, it is freaky, and it, it, you're right, it does, because I just saw another image from the movie you were talking about there, um, and it does look a lot like that. I'm guessing somebody just, you know, it, it was propped up outside on their their balcony. <laughs> That's my guess. Yeah, but it's um, funny. It is funny. I mean, never say never on this show by any means. But uh, that is very interesting. There's a lot of abnormalities. If you look up the strange things that like people have found on Google Earth, uh-huh. there's a lot of weird things. Have you ever seen the Google Earth cars that drive around? Yes, I have. I've seen them drive, drive by the radio station back when they did one day. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I was like stuck behind it for a little while. And, uh, yeah, they're interesting. Yeah. And they're actually now, I just read something the other day that the, the Google Earth, um, the 3D view has just gotten a lot better in some cities. You know, it was kind of like very bizarre-ish looking and textures were a little bit off. Uh-huh. It's gotten really good. They're re- slowly releasing it in some cities in more of an HD model. Uh-huh. Um, but it's getting scarily good of just how how nice it looks as far as being an actual rendering in 3D of a city. Did I ever mention we had a listener way back when I first started, he wrote in that he looked up Leadville, Colorado. Remember when we talked about that? And it's a strange image that you see street view from like the main street. Mm -hmm. It goes from being in color and then it fades to like black and white old timey looking days. It's it's pretty creepy. It's just an optical illusion, but it looks like you're going from present time to old time. Really? It does. Especially knowing how creeped out I was by that town and I'm sorry anybody yeah. who lives there. I know all about being proud of your town, but I just got more weird vibes there than I had in a long time. You did. I did. And I really didn't have any weird feeling there. I just kind of felt like this is a mountain town. It's not eh. My last straw was when something knocked the glasses off my daughter's face. I was done. We got in the car and we left. That's true. Yeah, I do remember that. And we were, that was a weird house we were walking by, too. It was. It was a... Can you describe what the house was? It was just your Victorian-looking two-story house that you would see in a old town. You mm-hmm. know, probably 1890s to early 1900s. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the purpose of the house was. I don't know if it was a residence or like a museum or what it was at that time, mm-hmm. but that we were there, but it was just... There was weird writing all over the it was on rocks. Strange. It just it, And there wasn't like really an explanation like in front of the house, like this is why there's all this writing all over the house in odd places, or if there was someone who wasn't quite right in their mind living in the house, right. writing all over the place. Um, you just didn't know. Um, 
and it was right around that area we were we were having the conversation you had just said you didn't feel comfortable in that town no and that you just kind of felt off and it wasn't anything against the people the people were very friendly and everything but um you just said you kind of felt like a weird presence you know it's, it was yeah. the energy yeah of the, the, the town. energy was was odd and right when you said that is when we're walking down the street and Olivia's glasses go flying off her face. They do, just as if somebody just hit her across yeah. the face. Now, she didn't get hit. She didn't no. feel anything. But her glasses flew off yeah. from her, who's walking on my left side, yeah. across straight over in front of me onto my right side yeah. on the concrete. And she looks at me like... What happened? Because I'm holding her hand. She didn't want even touching her face, but yeah. they just flew off. She didn't trip. Yeah. Nothing logical there. No. Yeah. And she just looked at me. Her eyes were as big as saucers. And I said, let's get your glasses. And the car's right there. And <laughs> we got in the car. And we headed back to where I felt comfortable. Yeah. Which was in a shack. Uh, in no. The <laughs> it was about 40 miles down the road to a different town. Yeah. Um, that was odd. Yes. Do you think it was something paranormal? Probably. And it, they didn't like that you were picking up on They them. can pick on me all they want, and they start picking yeah. on my kids. Then she different. turns into Ninja Ghostbuster Mom. That's damn right. <laughs> that was a fun trip. It was Can fun. we go back to Leadville again? Or no, did we're we, done with Leadville. We did Leadville once. We don't need to go. Okay. We're done with Leadville. All right. Sorry. It's my friend Manny. Isn't that where his family is? Yes. From? Okay, yeah. Uh, Colby writes in back in the 1990s, I lived on Beach Avenue in Oldham, uh, Lancashire in the U in the UK. Uh, when I moved into the house with my wife and four younger daughters, things seemed to be working out quite well for us. But after a while, strange things started to happen every morning. The house alarm would go off at 5 a.m., and it was always the same sensor in the kitchen that was tripped. Sometimes I put the TV on upstairs for the children, but when they went up to watch TV, it had been switched off. One time when we were playing with the children outside, I saw the figure of a man just for a second at the window. I said to my daughter, I thought I told you to lock the back door and windows before we went outside. I rushed in, thinking it was an intruder, but there was no one inside. All the doors and windows were locked, so no one could have got in or out. A few weeks later, we got a little Yorkshire Yorkshire Terrier called uh, Richie, and he would come upstairs at night, sleep on the bottom of the bed. One night after we had finished watching TV, we decided to go to bed. I opened the door to the stairs and saw my wife uh, and children went up to bed while I turned everything off and locked up. I went to the foot of the stairs and called Richie, but he didn't move. He stayed under the blanket. I called him again, but he just wouldn't move. So I went over to pick him up, and we started to gro- he started to growl at me. As I put my hand closer to him, he snapped at me. I made a grab for him and managed to get him to the stairs, but when I put him down, he crouched down on the floor and wouldn't go upstairs. So I threw his blankets onto the living room floor, and he ran to it and stayed there all that night. Then one day, my brother came to stay for the Christmas holiday. We were talking and having a good time. My brother excused himself to go to the bathroom, and a few minutes later, he came down and took me to one side and said, I've just come out of the bathroom and saw a man in your bedroom looking out the window. I asked him, what did he look like? And my brother said he could only see the back of the man, but the man was bald. He wore a shirt with the sleeves rolled up, trousers, and braces. I asked him not to mention it to my wife, and I didn't want her to be scared, as I sometimes had to work at night. A few weeks passed without anything happening, and then our niece came to visit, and again, she went upstairs, but before she had got to the top, she came running down, screaming. At first, she was too upset to speak, but when she had calmed down, she said that she had seen a man standing at the top of the stairs, and once again, he was wearing a shirt with rolled-up sleeves and trousers with braces. I decided to ask my neighbors about who had lived in the house before us, and one neighbor told us that a man had lived there and that he worked for the local council driving a dustbin van. She said that it would he would get up at the same time every day to make his breakfast before going to work, which was 5 a.m., and when I asked her to describe him, she told us he wore a shirt and sleeves, rolled up trousers and braces most of the time, and he loved tending to his garden. And he would often chat to anyone who came by as he was a very easygoing man and would help anyone out if he could. 
She told us that one day he went out to work and when dinner time came, she knew something was wrong as a man would come home from his dinner at the same time every day, but on this occasion he didn't come home. It was only later that she found out that he had died while he was at work. I couldn't believe it, but it was true. I was so dumbfounded that the man had shown himself to members of my family, but I came to the conclusion that he meant no harm to me or my family. It didn't make it any easier sharing our home with him, but after all, it was his home first. Okay, so my main question is when they say braces, are they talking about suspenders? Yeah. Okay. Well... Just like the dustbin van. Is that what it was? A sweet street sweeper? I think that's what it is, yeah. Is that what we call it? I believe so. Okay. No, I think it's a good story. I I don't know if it comforts them at all to just know it was somebody who used to live in that house. Mm-hmm. I think I would be comforted. It still creeped me out every time I saw him. I would still be a, a little bit afraid, but it's better than just thinking it's some random ghost that's just decided to pick on me. For knowing of all the possibilities of what you could have haunting your house... And the fact that this one really didn't do a whole lot of interactive, and it didn't, didn't seem like he was actually trying to be noticed. It was more so like they noticed him mm-hmm. um, in in some odd situations. In this case, I'd be happy. You know, it's it's good to know that okay, well, this is probably just the guy you know who died, sure. rather than you know some malicious force that seems to be going after you. Oh, it happens to look like the guy. Then I'd be questioning if it even is the guy. But this just seems to be, oh, he's still living there, too. He's not really trying to get in the way or anything. They just happen to catch him. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'd i like to know that. I would, too. So, I think that's a... Uh, I think in any case, I'd like to know. Really? Wouldn't you? I mean, just to kind of put your mind at ease a little bit about who it is or at least try and have some information rather than no information? I guess so. If you're going to cohabitate with something like that, I guess getting to know it, mm-hmm. maybe what it liked, what it hated would be helpful. What it like to eat. You know, you can make its food and put it out for it. <laughs> if only, it, you know, <laughs> if it can only enjoy just the smell of it cooking, you know, that might be. Oh, there's that one we had a while back where it was eating food. Chicken wings or chicken, right? Something like Is that. that. What it was? Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Interesting. Our phone number is 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story you'd like to share with us, of course, you can always write in through the website. That's realghoststoriesonline.com. If you haven't done so already, please press the subscribe button on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way you won't miss any episodes of the show. They'll come directly to you, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever it may be. Press subscribe now if you like it. Then you have to search for us every time. We just show up right there. In your, uh, in your playlist. Sam writes in, Hey guys, after sharing my story about New Orleans, I wanted to give you all a follow-up to clarify a few things that I forgot to share after talking with my husband about it. This Name- is special. This will make you really want to go down there in a hurry. Just are you, are you being facetious? I'm being a little bit facetious. Okay. Yeah. Namely, the name of the cemetery. The name of the cemetery is Potter's Field, or more specifically, Holt Field. They uh, call it generally a potter's field because that is the term for a common grave. Oh, that's nice. Which is a place for the burial of the unknown or for people who cannot afford a burial site. They call it a potter's field because that is a biblical term for a field that is useless for growing and was used for extraction of clay for a potter, ideal for a burial site. This cemetery is one of the only below-ground cemeteries in New Orleans. Many of the people buried there were people who died violently, which you could imagine would be a breeding ground for hauntings. When I was discussing the femur bone, Mary, the tour guide, told us that she always checks the dumpsters for bones and she puts them back into the cemetery. (laughs) Excuse me, group, while I go over here. Oh, look at this. It's a clavicle. Let's go put that back over here. Does anyone want to carry the clavicle? Yeah. Like show and tell. Can you imagine? I, I would be the kid that would go to that cemetery to grab something for show and tell. That would be horrible. I bet you. I bet you a lot of dogs go and and I'm not. I'm not even joking here. I bet you dogs. That's a hotbed. I bet they show up and they're taking human bones out of there all the time. And people are thinking, "Oh, look, Rufus got a big one from the Petco <laughs> leg." <laughs> yeah, I could see that. And they probably have no idea. No. You know, especially after a dog like gnaws on a bone long enough, you know, it gets kind of worn down. You probably, it's, unless you're doing medical testing on it, 
you know, to determine what type of bone it is. Yeah. Uh, anyhow. Continuing on, like most sites in New Orleans, people are buried on top of one another. Here, that's interesting. Is it? How is it, though? Is it like, are they all facing up, or do you face down on the other person? Or is it like head to toe, like, you know? I think <laughs> it's a figure of speech, meaning that they are just really, really packed in. Okay. Because like I've mentioned, there are not many below-ground sure. burials. Okay. So you have limited amount of space okay. as far as getting rid of your family and okay. putting them to rest. I get you. Okay. I was literally thinking, oh, <laughs> there's a little more, a couple more feet of earth here. Let's dump another one. Continuing on. When they come across bones, many times they're removed from their resting place to make room for more recent dead. It's just common practice there. So once you're decayed, they're like, all right, next. I guess. Could she have staged the bone to be in the dumpster for the purpose of the tour? Sure. But all I know is there was so much energy in this place. There was heaviness to the air, and you could just feel that there was a lot of history there. It's been nearly two years, so I can't recall all the creepy stories, but I do remember that there are two large trees in the middle of the cemetery where there are said to be many ghostly encounters. People tend to hear singing here because this is said to be where many jazz musicians are buried. People see ghostly apparitions, feel things. It was after I walked around one of these uh, trees that started to feel that burning sensation. It was one of the scariest places I've ever been. I'll send some photos I found from the cemetery and try to find the photo that we took of my arm. I hope this clarified some things. Yeah, I think so. Thanks for reading, and I hope to tell you all some more soon. Okay, I am positive New Orleans is the wonderful city that everybody who goes says it is. And I do want to go there, but this scares me, this this tour of the cemetery. Because I know when you hear this story, that makes you want to go do it. Mm-hmm. Me, I don't even want to do that. You don't want to do that tour? Why would you not want to do that tour? Considering what we do. I know, I know. <laughs> I guess I'm just a big chicken. You want to take a bone home? No, I don't. I wonder how many, how often that happens. Honestly, I wonder how often, if these bones are that readily available, if you're just able to go in there and dump a body. I mean, how often are these bones being taken out for other purposes? I don't know. And yeah, I'm talking about voodoo. I don't. And know. other whatever. You know, I don't know. Weird collections. There's, a, there's plenty of odd reasons that people would take these things. Yeah, I, it's a bunch of stuff I don't understand. I, I don't, don't even know. I don't know. You have it. You have something. Okay, go over here to Jenny. Our friend Rhonda is sitting in here with us this evening on the show, and she's raising her hand just like in grade school, and she's saying, "I know. I have something. Go ahead, speak right into the microphone. There, you got to get really close, right up there, right, like literally, like." Like you're talking. Like all up in here like Yes, this? all up in there. Yeah. All up in there. All yeah. right. Okay, what? So you're talking about like people taking things home for weird collections and uh-huh. things like that. You collect bones from New Orleans? No. Okay. No, I don't, but uh, thanks for trying. <laughs> We're learning something new every day about our, our good friend Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, but not quite. Um, my mom's ex-husband was a Marine in like the 70s I think okay and he was stationed in South America for the bulk of it mm-hmm. um, just doing um, operations with like guerrilla warfare and things like that trying mm-hmm. to settle things down and um, he lived with an Indian tribe in the mountains for a while and they were cannibals but it wasn't like the violent type cannibals like killing people for food it was like um, if somebody in their tribe had died they would um the tribe would eat them. Okay. Um, and they saw it as like their last service, I guess, that they did um, to the people of their tribe, like helping sure. them out. Hey, at least I can be food for you guys yeah. if I'm dead. It's like you know? nourishment. Okay. So, I mean, it's not right. like the movie version of Canada. It was. It's not like, ooh, outsiders, let's sure. eat them. Yeah. It was okay. like. It was a spiritual type thing. Okay. Right. I mean, okay. it was like a closeness sure. kind yep, of. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So. Um, and he had all kinds of stories from his past about things like that. And um, he was telling me that um, as a gift, they had given him two human skulls. 
Um, like just, I, I mean, is it like in a Hallmark box or anything? Or is it just, <laughs> you know, I mean, being in South America in the mountains it probably was. <laughs> it's in a look at this little blue box. It's Tiffany. No, it's two human skulls. <laughs> Dear God, Tony. No, not quite. It was just, I mean, so he was telling me about that and he said that, um, his ex-wife made him get rid of them, but just like the thought that he would even bring two human skulls home. And I'm like, mom, we live with this guy. Like what's going on here? (laughs) It was just, so yeah, you said strange collections and bringing human bones home. And I was like, Oh, Hey, I've heard about that before. I was going to say, how did they get that through customs? But it was probably a military craft. So there was no customs to go through. Right. Oh yeah. Um, just coming back. He was, in the jungle okay, for a lot of it, too. So, I mean, so, he probably just kind of put him in his backpack. Was it difficult to get into the country? No, I mean, wow. with the military, I I mean, I don't think that they go through, sure. like, your personal possessions, personal, yeah. personal. I mean, I don't know. Could you imagine, like, bringing that bag home and then your wife is there and she's, let me help you unpack and get settled. And, like, you're taking the stuff out. There's fatigues and all of this and, you know, some letters. Oh, look, it's two human skulls. God. Ugh, Keith brought anything home. Wow. Ugh. Yeah, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> well, thanks for sharing, Rhonda. <laughs> that was a good story, actually. It was very good. Ah, uh, wow. 855-853-4802 is a phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. See? Lots of odd collections. I will not make fun of any of your crap up on the shelves anymore. My old video game systems and my first microphone from when I was two years old. Your Pee Wee Herman doll. That's what my mom gave me, yeah. Like drawings of the Titanic when I was four. No, there's no skulls yet. Nick writes in, <laughs> Hello, when I was in high school, my family moved to a house in Waterbury, Connecticut. The original part of the house dates back to 1812. It's a big house, and I was excited that I would have my own bedroom. We have a large family due to my parents being adoptive parents. I have a few short stories. The first one I have when I was alone in the house. It was daytime and I kept on hearing voices coming from the second floor. I would call out hello and the voices would stop. This just kept on happening and I left the house and didn't return until the rest of my family came home. My bedroom was in the basement, a large finished room with a dropped ceiling. One night I heard what sounded like a big gust of wind blowing above the dropped ceiling. There are no windows, so I went upstairs and asked my father if he heard anything. He said no, so we opened a couple tiles to try and explain, but found nothing. One night, my girlfriend, now wife, and I are watching TV with the lights off, and I glanced to the far end of the room to see a little girl in a white dress. I can make out features, but it was almost like a mist. I looked away and looked back at the girl, and she was gone. I didn't tell my girlfriend till the morning so I wouldn't scare her that night. A few years later, we got engaged and decided to keep an apartment. I was uh, taking my last shower in the house and was standing in front of the mirror when I got touched from behind. I saw nothing behind me in the mirror. My mother has plenty of stories from the house, and maybe I can get her to share. Thanks for sharing my story. Love the show. Thanks, Nick. Okay, a house that old. There's Mm -hmm. no telling what all could be there. No. I mean, 1812. It just just keeps going into my uh, mental notes of, do we ever really want to get a really old house? No, I don't think we do. I, part of me wants to really, really bad, but then part of me was like, no. There's no guarantee you can have it be ghost free, unfortunately. Or haunted by a happy ghost. Unless maybe you, you found one that no one ever lived in. How often does that happen? It doesn't. See? And usually when it does, there's a reason for it and they're very haunted. Yeah. Because some of those do exist where they're just like, oh, someone lived here for or like lived here. Or they lived there for like a couple years or less than a year and then they're gone. They mm-hmm. died. Or There's usually some sort of tragic love story involved. Um, but those places exist. They're like they're museums now, but uh, they're out there. Yeah. So, uh, 855-853-4802's number. Jesse writes in, hi, this is my second story to share with you guys. Before I begin, just want to say I'm really hooked on your podcast and YouTube, and I soon will become an EPP once I get a steady income coming in. Times are tough. Anyways, this story is about a doppelganger and more. I heard an episode of a student showing up in an exam meeting and you guys wanted to hear other stories of doppelgangers and if there was any other thing they do besides show up only. Well, maybe this would be one. 
These are stories that my girlfriend experienced with her twin sister. Happened around 2011 to 2012. One night, her twin sister was asleep in her room, and she got up in the middle of the night by something breathing on her neck. It was hot, steamy feeling on her neck, and she could hear it breathing. She started praying, and the thing went away. On another night, she got up by something that kept on pulling on her blanket to the ground and uncovering her. She got up, and started screaming and went to my girlfriend's room. Another night, she got up feeling like she was floating, and when she opened her eyes, she felt that she was dropped back to her bed, and her bed started to move up slowly. She started screaming, and my girlfriend and her mom went to her room and witnessed her bed at least four feet off the floor, and it would drop back down, and they started praying. I think at that point, I start running. Well, I'd be getting well, my, get her out. my yeah. kid off the bed. Yeah, yeah. And all of this was happening about once or twice a month. Things like her lights kept turning on and off and finally to the point she felt someone was on top of her with so much force she couldn't yell for help and couldn't move. And it was pressing uh, pressing her down to the bed like it wanted to get inside of her. She closed her eyes and started praying. Finally, after all that was happening, her mom got a priest over to bless the house and things got under control till one night her twin sister got out of the shower and she saw what she thought was my girlfriend back in 2005 or 2006. In a white blouse, long black hair with a cold, silenced look that she screamed out loud. And my girlfriend and her mom ran upstairs to her. Was this a doppelganger or what is it? What does it mean? I heard stuff... Uh, like uh, people die after but I don't know every time I go to their house I always feel terrified and one night I was lying down in bed with my girlfriend and we were asleep and I got up hearing a loud growl like it was in my face sorry this was too long but there's actually more to it later on I'll share more stories that I have and keep up the show I truly love it even though I'm scared shitless every night okay I think I would be so confused with a doppelganger issue with with twins involved you know because you think you're seeing your twin sister and then no you're seeing a doppelganger of your twin sister so there's i guess technically three of you there around i don't know i guess keep, i would keep trying to make sense of this i, I can't <laughs> i know <laughs> i can't i'm just and then it's like <laughs> no it does you're exactly right yeah you can't it's like a weird circle you could never really make sense of it. And I don't know. I mean, sometimes when you have things like this that seem to be rather dark, like it does here, you have to wonder if it's really a true doppelganger type thing or if it's something dark trying to manipulate the other person by appearing in the form of the other person. Right. You know, is that truly a doppelganger? I don't know, because it seems doppelgangers, for the most part, have been fairly harmless. And they aren't always necessarily, in fact, they're rarely from the stories that we've heard associated with necessarily a demonic type thing going on. Yeah, no, I agree, because most of the time they just show up and they say a very few words, if any. Yeah. And, and then they go on their way. Yeah, and you're just kind of <clears throat> like, what's wrong with them today? You yeah, know, and, then and then that's about it. So, I don't know. I don't know either. That's... <laughs> Would, would you like have, to do another go around on that? No, <laughs> I was just thinking I'd have trouble with identical twins just keeping them straight, let yeah. alone throwing in a doppelganger. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Hey, Taylor writes it. I know that this might not be the most eventful ghost story ever recounted, but it is a true one. This happened to me personally, and I still do not know what exactly happened that night. And if you have any information that might help me figure out what happened, feel free to comment. Last year was my first year attending the University of Texas at San Antonio. Since it was my first year, I decided to live on campus. Ended up being assigned to the oldest of the dorm complexes. My boyfriend was living at the newest dorm complex, and after only living there a couple of months, I found that I'd rather liked my boyfriend's apartment-style dorm, and I started living there with him full-time. One night, when he was exceptionally tired and requested that he have the bed all to himself to stretch and relax, I decided that it would be a good night to go to my room and have a girls' night with my roommate, whom I hadn't seen in a couple of weeks. It was really chilly out, and I walked across the silent parking lot and past the completely dark and common eatery. 
I made it to my building and walked up the third floor all right, and then I swung the door up into my dorm, only to find it completely dark and empty. It turns out that my roommate decided to go to her hometown for the weekend. I'd never had any problem sleeping alone there before. However, that night I found the room immediately to be eerie. I had the feeling that every time I had my back against one part of the room, there was something waiting there. My boyfriend requires that I call him when I arrive at my destination after I've been walking alone, so I did just that. I called him and told him I wanted to go back to his room or have him over in mine. He refused both, saying that it was too late to have me walking around in the dark and that he didn't want to inconvenience himself just because I was a little frightened. I found that acceptable and thought I was being silly, so I just chatted with him a while and then he went to bed. I stayed up till about midnight or 1 a.m. watching TV. When I began to get sleepy, I got up and turned off all the lights because I could not fall asleep with the lights on. I fell asleep quickly and I was sleeping fine until something really strange happened. At around 3 or 4 a.m., I was awoken by the feeling that there was something in the room with me. I was not jilted. I, w- I was not jilted wide awake, as in the case in most ghost stories. I just sort of opened my eyes and lay there with a really blurry vision for a few moments. My mind was really hazy because I was still sleepy. Then a feeling of terror came over me. I can make out an uh, amorphous black mist or a shade that creep up over me as I lay in bed. It had, it had to have been really pure black because the room was completely dark and I still saw this misty entity. I was horrified and drowsy all at the same time. If that's not enough, I was paralyzed. I wanted to talk or to scream, but nothing would come out. I wanted to move my arms in front of my face, but I couldn't even move my arms, not even an inch. I stayed there for a moment, trying to will myself to move, but it just wasn't happening. Within a few seconds, the shade disappears, and I, I could have, uh, I could move, albeit very shakily and with much effort. I decided that even though I was shaken, that it was probably just my imagination, so I reached up slowly and turned on the light. I left it at that. I woke several hours later and told my boyfriend about it. He said I was just dreaming. I told my dad about it some weeks later, and he too said I had, that I had been dreaming. I know I was not dreaming. When I awoke the morning after my encounter, the light was still on just as I had left it after I'd been terrorized that night. I recalled everything that happened, and I just know that I hadn't been dreaming. Here I am, just about an entire year later, and I'm still clueless as to what happened. I did a little bit of research and have found no evidence or records that anyone has ever died in that building, although I guess it wouldn't be publicized. Some weeks before, my roommate had told me that she had, been, that she had seen an apparition in the room while she was sleeping alone. She said that she had seen a woman hanging from a noose in the room, but I didn't believe her. I still don't believe her because she always made a lot of stories up and because whatever I felt, I don't think it was even human. Okay. First of all, I have to say Hook'em Horns since they referenced UT. Okay. Um, And other than that, I don't know that I'd be so quick to write off the roommate's story. You know, there's obviously some paranormal stuff going on in the dorm. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say that I wouldn't discount her story just because she has a tendency to maybe bend the truth since she's seen something too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I completely agree. The other thing that uh, she's exactly right. She's not going to find anything publicized about a suicide. No. Um, and I wasn't aware of this, that, that, I mean, unless it's like someone famous or there's something foul play involved or some, reason to publicize it um they don't get published no in most cases um so in a large building like that um there could have very likely been several i mean i'm not saying there was for sure but there very well could have been um and there'll be no record of it for for anybody to search for anybody to search yeah yeah um you know unless you you know did research on every single individual that was ever in that building and where are they now, um, you're not going to find a record no. of that. Um, which is, is an, an interesting thing when it comes to talking about ghost stories and and records of buildings. Because people are always talking about, well, I, I looked up the records and this and nothing came up. 
well, that's a record that doesn't really exist. That or it was never publicly. made public. Yeah. yeah. Publicly. So that you're not going to be able to find it unless it was a murder-suicide or exactly. something else happened along with it. Exactly. So, um, just because you didn't find any records doesn't mean that there's nothing that w- could have happened there. Right. So, I don't know. And I, I have to say, I think the boyfriend's a bit of a jerk. Because <laughs> as scared as she was... I agree. I, I'm wondering how long they were still together or if they are still together after that. Yeah, he was like, go back to your room. I don't care how scared you are. I understand him telling her not to walk across campus. Yes. That... That's a good move, but it was a bad move to go, uh, it's going to inconvenience me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a college kid. Your girlfriend's asking you to come sleep with her. You probably should go. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. Yeah. I don't know. Just a thought. Uh, that does it for this episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, please subscribe or uh, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get that bonus episode every single week sent directly to you. Uh, it's only five bucks a month. Support the show. Keeps us on the air and you get all those nice little extras. So check that out. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Think of it as a Christmas gift. Yes. <laughs> to yourself. And to us, <laughs> because we work all year trying to give you the show and uh, give you the creeps. So uh, help keeping uh, that alive is uh, something we are very, very grateful for. So, uh, Or maybe even give the gift of ghosts if you want to someone else out there that uh, in your life enjoys paranormal. I know. Check it all out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.